Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations, where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them to track their taps and menu at roasthousepub.com, or download the digital pour app to track what's on tap. Hello, this is episode 105, take three (laughs) of the Uncapped Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Sands. Um, This time I have pressed record. I have put in a card that is large enough to hold this interview. We can do it. And uh, we may be able to make this to completion this time. Teamwork. Right now we are sitting in the Flying Dog Tap Room, enjoying some delicious Cujo on Nitro, which is what we are going to be talking about. Not specifically on Nitro, but Cujo in general. To my right is sitting Drew Baluch, one of Flying Dog's lead brewers and part of the team that brewed Cujo this year. To my left is Chris Vigilante, the founder and CEO of Vigilante Coffee Company, and we're a roastery. Okay, so yeah. you, do, you do it all. You take the beans it. from beginning to end, uh, except well, for we, the growing well, part. Well, we don't farm them, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, I may as well go through this shtick for the third time um, <laughs> for the benefit of the listeners. Um, <laughs> Vigilante is your actual real name. Yes, it is. It's my uh, mother's maiden name, and uh, our family is originally from Naples, Italy. And so, yeah, it's my last name. And let me get, you recently went there, right? I did, yes. <laughs> I was there just a week ago visiting uh, the town where my ancestors come from in Castafranci, which is wine country, just north of Naples. You know, one thing, it's really glad that we decided not to live stream this today because <laughs> that would have been really awkward to restart the live stream multiple times as I'm not able to get the, the audio to record. All right, so, Drew, let's go back into, um, this is the fifth year for Cujo. Yep. And, which I'm really impressed with myself for guessing that correctly. Um this is the first year that it is a porter though, right? Yes, it is. Uh, we changed the grain bill uh, just a little bit to change from a stout to a porter. And then we also changed from just a coffee stout to a cold pressed uh, coffee porter. And how does the coffee get into the beer? So our, our process is- it Is it through a Keurig? <laughs> Uh, contrary to popular belief, we don't brew hundreds of gallons of coffee and then dump it into a, the brew kettle because we would concentrate and make things way too bitter. Uh, the, the process is actually much simpler than that. We take the, the coarse grind, we wanted the most surface area we could get, and then we hung it, uh, suspended it in, on cold side and recirculated it a few times and didn't even put it on our packaging schedule until we knew it was ready. Uh, we, we circulated it probably about an hour a shift um, and then eventually we decided this is perfect we need to package this now moved it to other tanks and then we came out with the the wonderful product you're trying right now so what makes it cold pressed because it was done cold in the side. cold side yep. okay that's that's where we the the cold side uh, is you know obviously past fermentation we've gone to the chilling uh, and we're, we're almost, we're literally almost finished. And we got that, instead of steeping and pulling out, we've, we thought that putting the coffee in on the hot side would be, like I said, that bitterness would be way too strong. So, so is that how most coffee stouts or coffee porters are done? Or 
do different breweries. I think there's a, in different there's, times. I think there's a little bit of a proprietary to each brewery. Okay. Um, some of the ones you can get different flavors from coffee at different stages. So whatever that specific brewery is looking for, coffee-wise, like if they're looking for more bitterness, if they're looking for less bitterness, like the creaminess versus the chocolatey versus the roasty, like you can pick your place in your process, and that's the result you can get out. Okay. And um, I think it was on our first take, um, you gave a nice description of the differences between a stout and a porter, or at least one of the things. Can you run through that again? Yeah, so uh, I, can't, I can't speak too heavily on stouts Not and porters. Not definitively. Right, because it's a very debated at, topic. and At and, least the cool factoid that you gave us. Yeah, so uh, a lot of stouts, because of the groundwater in Ireland, uh, it's it's so uh, hard. It created the perfect uh, pH for stouts um, to come out. And porters are brewed similar malt bill, but not exactly the same. But they're different because of their water, their mash salts, their their uh, their additives to change the pHs. So stouts are stout is the word for the beer because it was a it was their alcoholic drink that was their stout the word but in the end in the end they're 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 very similar and like i said they're very much up for debate so i i am not the i'm not the expert on this i'm i'm a brewer <laughs> and and i follow the recipes that are that are given to me and they're they're all incredible to, to read and follow and figure out. So the um, definitive answer from the experts <laughs> is that uh, there's a mineral difference and mm -hmm. something about water in Ireland. <laughs> yep, that's it. Cool. That is the definitive answer. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> um, and an inter another interesting factoid, uh, Drew hates coffee. <laughs> it's nice to be up here with you, Drew. I know, right? <laughs> it's so it's, it's true. I <laughs> Drew actually, feels like you have wasted your life, Chris. <laughs> That's not true at all. I appreciate coffee. I don't like the taste. But I do like coffee porters, and I love the smell. And an interesting fact to counter that fact <laughs> was that while we, while we were adding the coffee in, in process, literally every single person in the building that drinks coffee, which is 98% of flying dogs. So the normal people. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure, the norm. I'm outside the norm. I'm okay with that. They all came up and said, guys... It smells so good in here. What are you doing? <laughs> like, well, we're adding the coffee to Cujo. And they all got super excited. But, I mean, people from the farthest reaches of the building could smell what we were doing and came over and just had to see what we were going on, what was going on. So it actually, it, I love coffee, um, <laughs> probably to a fault sometimes. <laughs> um, but it took me a long time to I actually could appreciate it. But... I think it is normal, even if you don't like it, to love the smell. Like, yeah, I, I would, I would love to meet someone who tells me that that could tell me that coffee smells disgusting, because I don't think I that agree. person exists. Have you met anyone like that, Chris? No, that everyone lived to tell about the tale. Unanimously <laughs> agree, uh, the entire human race that coffee yeah. smells good. One hundred percent of living beings. <laughs> There's gotta be some awesome, realm. yeah. There's gotta be some awesome connection with that roasty smell, that just like connects for every single person somehow. Like good food, uh, good times, some memory. 
roasty is a good connection for people. Yeah, it's been part of our culture for too long for us all not to be touched by it in one way or the other. Yeah. So before we completely dive into talking about coffee, um, Chris, you were involved with selecting the roast and the beans that were used in this, correct? Yes, I was. So why were why was this particular blend chosen? Well, this was a, a about a year, year and a half process where we began talking with the the brewer, uh, the brewing team at Flying Dog about what they wanted to achieve and what they were looking for. And so we, we really let them lead the conversations. And then we started with samples where we would send samples to the brewery. They would try different coffees and report back with what they felt were taste profiles that matched up with what they believe Cujo should be. Um, and once we came close to uh, that, that taste profile, uh, it was a Colombian bean called La Catarita. Uh, it supports small producers who typically have to send these coffees that are a smaller screen size, which they go through the same meticulous management and processing to create a great quality coffee. Uh, they just happen to be tinier beans. And in Colombia, they normally would receive a lower price based on the size of those beans. Uh, and, and in this case, they're able to fetch a higher price because they're dealing directly with us and we're working with uh, really small producers who own less than four hectares. And so uh, it, it matched the ethos of what Flying Dog likes to do. It matches what we love to do as a company and it hit the taste profile they were aiming for Cujo. So it was kind of easy uh, they made it easy on us. Well, yeah. that's, that's good to hear. Um, actually, we were just joined by Franklin Ventura, who you can go ahead and grab that mic. So it, it is uh, serendipitous that um, I was not capable of starting the first two times because <laughs> now Franklin can join us, who is the head brewer. Is that the correct? Roaster at uh, the head roaster at Vigilante Coffee. Whoop, actually, I need to turn your mic up first. And go ahead and say hello again, Franklin. Hello, everybody. That works better. Mm -hmm. um, so what is the, how would you describe the flavor profile of coffee in the, that it attributes to this beer? Franklin, I'll let you go ahead and answer that. Uh, in terms of beer, I'm not very uh, knowledgeable in, in beers about it. I'd say uh, this is the first beer that I ever tried that is very balanced in flavor. It's not too sweet, too thick, and it has enough coffee flavor to it that is not overwhelming. And, and it's just very pleasant to drink. Yeah, they're kind of harmoniously yeah. tied together yeah, yeah. in this in this beer. So, um, you know, like you said, it doesn't lend itself too acidic, too chocolate forward. It just seems like they hit it right on. Actually, so, Drew, a question for you. Would this beer have coffee notes without the addition of the coffee? From the, would the malt bill have attributed some subtle coffee notes to there, it? Or? There would be something that could probably be perceived as a coffee note, uh, just from, you know, bitterness from uh, roasted malts. Mm -hmm. um, but... The addition, Not to this extent. Right, yes. The, the, the addition, obviously, you, you, you taste it, and it's, it's coffee. You're like... Yeah. There's this the is, smell, the aroma, yes, and yes, the yes, taste. Yes. You know that there's coffee in there. Yes, and then you know, like we we talked about previously, the the slight differences between the the regular CO2 carved version versus the nitro. There there are multiple facets that come out 
both coffee forward that are fantastic. I mean, you hit it on the head. I, I think we, I mean, I'm patting myself on the back, but I think we, I think we, we hit it on the nose with the, the balance. Uh, we, I really wanted to, um, even though like we talked about it on like coffee, but uh, we really. Even though I hate that swill, I really <laughs> wanted the taste the, of coffee in there. This this beer is was very well executed uh, in terms of flavor. So to, to catch you up, Franklin, uh, Drew believes that you waste your time throughout <laughs> the day and that coffee does not taste good. Um, <laughs> So actually, by flavor profile, I meant like the flavor profile of the coffee itself, not the beer. Like oh, of, what, of La Caterita. Yeah, yeah. That what it, what is its defining flavor profile? It's a, if you were to drink just the coffee. Yeah, it's a it's chocolate forward. It has low acidity. Uh, it has uh, a medium body. Uh, some nuts, but not. It's very subtle, so it's not a uh, very naughty as let's say a, a Brazilian coffee. So it's uh, yeah, chocolate forward, uh, low acidity, uh, medium body. A little bit of cherry tones. Yeah, cherry tones. that coffee. Yeah, very drinkable cup. Catarita uh, comes from the varietal Catura, and we yeah. call it little Catarita, little Catura, because it's those tiny beans, beans that I was telling you about. Am I correct that the the actual coffee is available here now too? Or yeah, am I making that up? No, Flying Dog has our okay. coffee both on tap uh, as well as in the hot brew, but I think that's just for the employees. Okay. But they okay. have our cold brew on tap here in the, the tap room. Okay, awesome. Actually, I need to get some of that, too. We do have bags of Vigilante in the back, and the Graveyard Crew drinks that. Like it's <laughs> Except crack, for you. Like it's crack. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not on Graveyard, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I want to take a quick break to um, thank the sponsors that make the Uncapped Podcast possible. And then we're going to dig into coffee itself because I love coffee. But Drew doesn't. (laughs) A huge thank you to our presenting sponsor, Roast House Pub, which is located at 5700 Urbana Pike in Frederick, Maryland. If you have listened to this podcast before, you have definitely heard me go on and on about the beer dinners that Chef Nico creates. Simply put, they are amazing. But Roast House Pub has much more to offer. Their friendly staff is knowledgeable about beer and will help you choose from among the 20 beers they have on tap. In addition to the awesome beer selection, the food is always amazing. Make sure to follow them on Facebook and check their website at www.roasthousepub.com to keep up to date on their constant stream of events. All right, Chris and Franklin. Actually, why don't we just start from the beginning of the process of uh, coffee, growing the bean to how you choose what you're going to select, to roasting, to um, actually turning it into coffee. Um, whoever wants to tell that story and go. Yeah. <laughs> you start with the green beans and I go for the roasting. That sounds good. Uh, so my main job is green bean buying at Vigilante Coffee. and. Uh, so what that means is I travel around the world and I purchase coffee beans directly from craftsmen farmers throughout the globe. Uh, so from Colombia to Kenya to Indonesia, uh, from the Hawaiian Islands to Guatemala. Um, and what I'm looking for when I get to origin is uh, uh, similar to what I think Flying Dog probably look for when they're looking for a roastery to, to collaborate with Kujo on. Uh, do we share similar ideals? Uh, are we creating this product for the love of it, uh, first and foremost? And, and that craftsman-like nature really shows itself 
when you get the chance to visit and meet with someone. And so that's why I travel and get to meet with these producers. But in addition to that, I come during the harvest season where I'm able to select the top lots from their farm. So they might grow, you know, four different varieties on the on the farm, and uh, each one is separated into different lots. And perhaps lot number three is what hits home for me, and what I think. Oh, we got a dog in here. <laughs> and what I think <laughs> would uh, 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 hit well for for our menu and for our customers. And um, uh, I I started my sourcing. At least my methodology is is around competition winners. So I find coffee farms that participate in a competition like the Cup of Excellence, which is a world-renowned competition in which the best farms uh, compete to to basically have their coffee lots bidded on by roasters like me. So I started my sourcing through these competitions with the mindset that maybe uh, they're growing other lots that aren't $25 per pound. Uh, and are but, also good. But are also good, right? Like if this guy can grow this, he can probably grow other great stuff. And, um, and that was a catalyst for how we began sourcing coffee all over the world, and, um, and, and which led us to La Catarita, um, is, is working with producers that were producing award-winning coffees. How long has Vigilante been around? We started officially in 2012. Okay, so decent amount of time. Yeah, we're coming up on our seventh, eighth year. And uh, we uh, uh, opened up our roastery in Hyattsville, Maryland in uh, 2014. So we operated a pretty like, low-key, very humble beginnings through farmer's markets, pop-up coffee shops, and uh, uh, roasting out of a friend's basement for the first two years. <laughs> so is that hard to uh, break into? Like to, to, or can anyone go and, um, is, is the buying process an auction? It is when it's at those competitions. Okay, so can anyone go and attend those auctions, or do you typically have to? invited? Okay, or you're you sometimes you pay to be there, um, or other times you just find out about it, mm-hmm. right? Like if you got cash in your pockets and you want to show up to this town and purchase coffee from the best farmers in there, they're not going to argue with you. They'll try to do business. Yeah, money talks. Money talks. That's right. <laughs> when I first went to Columbia, they're like, "How are you going to go to Columbia and just buy coffee?" I said, "Well, easy. I'm just going to go to Columbia. I'm going to try to buy coffee." And I'm going to sh- <laughs> I'm going to show them some Ameri- U.S. dollar bills, and hopefully, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll find a great farm. And that's that's really how we were able to source our coffees, which I I believe our coffees start off amazing, and that all we really what me and Frank have the uh, fortunate uh, uh, duty of doing is, is just highlighting the best attributes of those coffees. We cannot improve them through our roasting process. We can simply just bring them to light. And, uh, and when it comes to the roasting process, no one is better than Franklin, who uh, with his help, we achieved fifth place at the U.S. National Roasting Championship in 2017. Uh, but I'm going to let him talk about the roasting process and, and what he likes to yeah. do. Hold on. I got one more real quick question oh, yeah. about Shoot. buying. Um, mm-hmm. So is it hard like is it really competitive and how do you compete against like the tremendously large coffee companies are they buying from different farmers that you're buying buying from sometimes we compete for the same farms okay um we're a smaller company uh we roast roughly around 100 to 150,000 pounds per year uh, a big roastery let, let's say like counterculture coffee based out of north carolina is roasting like a million pounds per year maybe two million and so we're a little more nimble in that we can buy small specialty lots that are maybe only 100 to 200 pounds and feature those lots, take care of our subscribers, uh, and, and showcase these coffees in our cafes because that goes a little bit further for us than, say, a company with 300 employees and multiple, you know, 20 locations. 
they couldn't even gift that coffee away. So uh, that's what I think we have the leg up on. Sometimes we get beat out for the purchases, but um, uh, be able to, to find a really small specialty, unique lots is I think what uh, is a blessing being a smaller roaster. So even like, so like this Starbucks or I mean, I don't know, does Dunkin' Donuts roast their own coffee? I, I believe that they do roast their own coffee. So yeah. are they buying from the same types of farms that you're going to or are they buying from completely different places? Like, do, are you competing like, with them or? It's more are, like we're buying different grades of coffee. Right? Okay. And, and one farm. They're probably pre- buying a lower grade, right? Uh, or one it, would think. Yeah, okay. No, I couldn't say for sure. Uh, but. At least when we're buying coffees, uh, coffees have a grading system, just like I imagine hops do. And, uh, they do. And, and within that grading system, like, for example, we're waiting on some Kenyan coffees, and AA is the best, AB is the second best, and then it goes to C, E, and so on. Uh, sometimes the coffees that fall into the AB category are superior to the AA. So uh, the, the grading system in coffee is a bit old school. Uh, but the way that we buy coffee, what deems it specialty coffee, is that it has a, a 10% or fewer defective coffee seeds in the lot that we purchased. So if I buy a thousand bags, you know, less than 10% of that is going to have, uh, say, defects, broken, chipped, moldy, okay. uh, you know, potential insect damage, things like that. Okay. Which result in poor cup quality when you try the coffee. Okay. Um. So far, we, we haven't even gotten very far into the process, but it sounds way more complicated than what I would be able to do. <laughs> so, all right. Chris has purchased the green beans, um, and then he's given them to you, Franklin. Yeah. What are you going to do with them? So, uh, I take that uh, the advantage of that. I know that he already bought some good coffees, great coffees from uh, anywhere and uh, first thing I do I have this uh, small roster where I roast the coffees in different uh, roast levels and times uh, I basically play with the coffees uh, in, in, in different uh, roast levels and um, uh, let's say for example I would roast a coffee around 400 degrees two minutes of development time or let's say uh, just the total time will be like eight minutes then a coffee that I roast at 410 and the uh, total roast time will be 12 minutes so that's two more minutes or four more minutes of of uh, uh, total roasting time so I play with the coffees in that manner and then uh, I the next day I bring them to the cupping table I analyze the the roast levels in a way that uh, the way they look uh, and the way they smell, how many, what aromas am I getting from this coffee? Am I getting like caramel, uh, fruit notes? And uh, if I'm after I pour some water in it, hot water, I smell the coffee again, the, the aromas and fragrances when it's dry and the aroma, and then I try the coffees, like we call it cupping. Uh, and I put those coffees side by side at different roast levels. And uh, I do this sometimes three, four times. The first round is uh, just trying to find what I want to achieve with that coffee. Uh, let's say, for example, a coffee from Central America, Guatemala. Uh, that coffee 
we have caramel nuts, we have uh, uh, earthy nuts. So if I want to chime those like through the flavor of the coffee and the aromas, uh, I do the first round of roasting. And then if I want to do some adjustments, I do a second round of three samples, put it on the table again, try them side by side. And once I have it ready, achieve what I want, achieve the body of that coffee because uh, I'm looking to like, if it's a medium body, I want to like make it a more full body. Uh, I play with airflow in the machine and things like that. So it's it just, once I get the good coffee from him, I, uh, I do testings on the coffees. And yeah, he'll evaluate the green beans and then we'll uh, trial and error basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we just keep going until we're like, holy shit, that's good. Uh, when we hit that, that's when we're like, all right, stop. We that's how it. we're going to yeah. do it. Yeah, but sometimes, you know, we have to do that uh, over the course of a year because the coffee will change as it ages. And oh, so okay. uh, sometimes it'll uh, improve and sometimes it will decline in quality. And when that de decline begins to happen, uh, we have to reanalyze the coffee and, and potentially adjust the flavor profile and the roast levels. So I, I have a question out of curiosity. Is So in, in malting and malsters, they have, in when it goes into roasting, into roasted malts, like they lose a certain conversion power for beer, but you pick up a color and a different flavor. Is there a, it's called, there's like a Lovabond scale. Is, is there the, something similar in coffee where like a certain level of roast is on a scale where you have like experts there yes. is okay. Yeah. Is Actron. It, is it Actron. Yeah, oh, that's okay. what we call it, the Actron awesome. scale. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And the the different levels of roasting will affect the amount of caffeine in it, correct? That is correct, Mr. Sands. <laughs> nice. Uh, yes, the further we roast the coffee, the darker the coffee, the less caffeine inside the bean. Okay. Oh, it goes down. It goes yeah. down. Interesting. It's, uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I was just talking to uh, Justin about it that. That's a misunderstanding sometimes that the sometimes the the bitter and the darker the coffee is, some people think that's the best quality that I can be drinking right now. Um, and that's uh, I want that coffee because that's gonna wake me up, that has the more caffeine. Mm -hmm. And it's the opposite. The lighter coffee is the one that has more caffeine. Interesting. So when you're roasting, does both time and temperature change? Flavor profiles. Yes. If you so, if you roast at a what, what is the what is a higher temperature as opposed to a lower temperature? What it, what different flavors does each? In uh, the yeah, in the machine that I use, the highest temperature that I that I go with our coffees is 430 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, around 17 minutes total, 1730 sometimes. Uh, and the lightest coffee will be 395 degrees, which is a big gap. And uh, let's say in the darkest rose will be more chocolate forward, uh, like very low acidity or no acidity uh, in the coffee, uh, more full body and uh, uh, more malty sometimes, a lot of spice if the coffee allows to have spice on it. Uh, and the lighter rose is just more fruit notes, uh, like lemon-like sometimes, uh, depending on where the coffee is from. Like if it's, let's say we're talking about Kenyan coffee, it's going to be very like pink lemonade sometimes and, and very fruit-forward coffee. 
um, more floral notes and in a light rose, uh, a more uh, tea-like flavor notes too. So that's that now for for a dark roast. Is it both? higher temperature and longer, or is it a lower temperature for a longer amount of time, or high temperature for a short amount of time, or is it just constantly changing the knobs until you just hit the flavor that you want? Um, yeah, in general, it will be like more temperature and more time. Because the longer okay. the roast, the more, the more the coffee spins inside of the machine. So it's, it's uh, yeah, the darker it goes, the, more the, the, coffee, the longer time the coffee will be in the machine. Now, when you... Do you, um, I know some roasters will use a different, um, different types of beans in different roast levels to hit a, um, a desired amount of caffeine level. Do you do that or do you, are you mainly just worried about hitting the flavor, the, the right flavors? It's more about the quality in the cup and less about the, uh, the effect caffeine. of. Yeah, I think our coffee is going to get you lifted for sure. Yeah. You're going to feel good and get done what you need to get done. Uh, Yeah, for us, it's all about the quality in the cup and making sure it's an enjoyable experience from the first sip when it's hot to the last sip when it's cool to cold. Now, what does um, what does fair trade mean when it comes to coffee? I like to give an kind of like a description analogy to to explain it. Basically, imagine we have 100 farmers and you want to buy coffee from them, uh, you give them $100 and everybody receives $1 and they group all their beans together and they sell them to you, okay? So everybody's received a fair price for their coffee and uh, uh, you've received your coffee knowing that the whole group received a fair price. Uh, Direct trade is uh, what has emerged with the specialty coffee third wave, which is what we're all a part of, is the third wave. Um, it, It simply means treating coffee like a culinary product. And this began in like the mid 2000s, um, but w- with the third wave, uh, when we're analyzing, uh, uh, looking or working with a farm, we're looking to weed out as many of the middlemen as humanly possible. So as to pay that farmer as much as we can for the work that they put in, uh, and then in addition, uh, continue to work with export partners throughout the world to help us get that coffee. I've imported my own coffee a few times, and it's a huge pain in the ass. And so it's very difficult for roasters uh, to both juggle a roasting company, cafes, and an importing company. Um, So we do rely on importers, and even when you hear the term direct trade versus fair trade, we're all relying on these guys to help us get the coffee over here for the most part. The main difference between the direct trade and the fair trade is that we're weeding out as many middlemen as possible, and we have transparency. We want to know how much people are getting paid so that our farmers, our producers can su- sustain what they're doing. They can, they can make a livable wage. Uh, that transparency has been missing in coffee for a very long time. Okay. And, and that's why you have like a huge portion of the coffee producing world living below the poverty line. Um, and so when we sell a cup uh, for $5, uh, while some people bulk at that and think that's expensive, we don't think it's quite pricey enough. Um, because if you were to trace back how that breaks down going back to the farm, it is quite minuscule. And through the direct trade model, we're able to shine a, uh, more of a light on that as well as uh, reinvest in our producers, 
pay them a fair price for the coffees. And it really started from those competitions I was telling you guys about. Mm. Uh, that's the really highlight what, the yeah, that, to go directly yeah. to. Like you got a hundred farmers, but you know, uh, uh, Drew the farmer is growing the best stuff. Showcase. Yeah, I want to showcase Drew's. I don't want you to group it in with everyone else's, and I'll pay you the most money. And that's really what it's about. You gentlemen have a class at six o'clock, right? Yeah, but we like to be late for stuff. Okay, cool, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sound like brewers. All right, so I'm, I'm actually I'm I'm going to wrap up. <laughs> I'm going to wrap up with one last question, um, a selfish question that I worry about, <laughs> um, and then I'll let you guys go. But I do want to have a follow up episode with you guys because, as I said, I love coffee. I am addicted <laughs> to coffee, and I want to learn more. We'd love to um, do that. So, um, how much coffee is too much, and where do I have to worry that I'm going to kill myself? In Norwegian <laughs> culture, eight cups a day is around the norm. A study was conducted over 50 years, Jesus, and it was proven <laughs> people that drink six-plus cups of coffee per day, and a lot of these uh, uh, you know, Dane, the Danes, the Norwegians, Nordic. the Nordics, uh, these countries um, is where most of those studies came forth live longer with more consumption of caffeine so around six to eight cups is what you should be aiming for okay well so i start every morning i recently cut back um i start every morning with six shots of espresso poured over ice am i okay am i doing the right thing should i have more should i have less All or am i or, or am i living my best life <laughs> you, well that's a lot you know <laughs> i had a customer i got started in the coffee business in hawaii and so I, I worked at a small roastery and I started working with these coffee farms. Hawaii was the only state that produced coffee. Uh, then California has a few farms these days. But anyway, one of my customers uh, owned a radio show, oddly enough, and he, Roy Dackerman, and he would come in and order seven shots of espresso and put it in a big gulp on ice and uh, refrigerate it throughout his show and you know, drink it periodically. Now, do you drink it periodically throughout the day? No, it's usually gone within a half an hour to an hour. <laughs> You're dangerously close to Roy levels. <laughs> All right. But are Roy levels okay? No, Roy was crazy as shit. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is I should drink it a little slower. Just pace yourself. That's okay. all I'm saying. You know, pace yourself. Sounds like most things in life. Go do a lighter roast and you'll get more bang for your buck in the caffeine content. That's true. I, but I love a dark roast. Ah, I see. What about a blend? I could do that. You know what could. you could do is... Add a cold brew to the afternoon, which is like way more caffeinated than your normal cup of coffee. I did not know that. That's that, good information. That will fire you up uh, probably as much as those six shots. And a Cujo. And a Cujo <laughs> to top it all off. <laughs> Just to end the day with. I mean, that's like you're up and down, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, gentlemen, I want um, to thank you for multiple things. Your time, your patience with my ineptitude. <laughs> And for the vast amount of information that you dropped on me today. Well, thank you for having us, man. Thank this was a pleasure. Yeah, great talk. And uh, thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Cheers. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.